0: At this time of year, you kind of get overwhelmed with the holiday seasons and the commercialism of it. Sometimes Thanksgiving is the forgotten holiday between, um, you know, the celebration of Halloween and then, of course, Christmas, right? And and sometimes, like me, I get tired of hearing about Thanksgiving, and you can get a little cynical and uh, miss an opportunity. I think that's really, really important because Thanksgiving is an annual reminder that we ought to be thankful people. Yeah, And of course, we should thank God for the nation we live in and for those who have gone before us and all that kind of thing. But I think there needs to be a real personal thanksgiving that takes place in the soul for what God has done for you, what has been in your life, so to speak. There ought to be periodic visitation on our part to this thankfulness place where we say, God, just thank you for life in Christ. Thank you everything you've done in my life. I think that's really, really important because it gets you to a right perspective in life and how you do life and how you face circumstances. And so today we're going to start by looking at uh, some moments of thankfulness, and, and then we're going to get to this, this moment of what could be. Um, I think we're to live in a constant state of gratefulness for what God has done, and we're to live in a constant anticipation of what could be in God. Amen. And what he's up to in our lives. And I think if we do those two things, we set ourselves up to experience the glory and the presence of God in a really mighty, mighty way. And in my own life, I have broken this message down uh, in two distinct events. That kind of illustrated out. And I'm going to hang the message on on that this morning. The first major event that occurred in my life that was so life changing was when I was 13 and gave my life to Jesus Christ. And I was a desperate young guy. I was full of anxiety and fear, and I I fell hard into the arms of Jesus. Some of you know what I mean. I I fell into the arms of Jesus. It wasn't like a little decision. It was like. I was all into this thing right uh, off the get-go, and I I go up to the altar, and it was just some steps like this, and I was kneeling, and I'm not given to crying. I get passionate, and I tear up, but I'm not one given to crying, but that day when I came to that altar, I couldn't quit crying, and it was like almost representative of the washing of, of my inner man that was taking place, how the Holy Spirit was just washing over me, and I just felt so different. So new after that moment. I know some of you know what I'm talking about. And I walked away and I knew that God had done something in my life. I couldn't define it. I couldn't articulate it. I didn't know enough about it. I just know that something just transpired that would forever change me. And I have been grateful for that ever since. And periodically, uh, I I find myself just thanking God for his loving kindness and his mercies that are new every morning. Listen, listen, beloved. It behooves you, it behooves you to thank God constantly for new life in him. And I use that word behooves on purpose. Behooves means to be worthwhile uh, for personal profit or advantage. It's to your personal profit. It's to your advantage to have a thankful heart to God. It just puts you in this place where God does mighty things in your life. Listen to the story of the 10 lepers found in Luke chapter 17, verses 11 through 19. Now on his way to Jerusalem, Jesus traveled along the border between Samaria and Galilee. As he was going into a village, 10 men who had leprosy met him. They stood at a distance because in that culture, if you had leprosy, it was, it was uh, uh, inappropriate for you to be close to somebody who didn't have it. And they called out in a loud voice, Jesus, master, have pity on us. When he saw them, he said, go show yourself to the priests. This is kind of a sad ending to a great encounter with Jesus Christ. Only one healed leper made his way back to the healer to say thank you. Listen, on a day like this, at a time like this, frequently throughout the year, we should make our way back to our Savior and say thank you. Amen? Thank you for new life in you. Thank you for life that I could never imagine You know, being like this, we should make our way back to the Savior frequently and thank him for what he's doing in our lives, for what has been. We're going to do a responsive reading this morning from the book of uh, of Psalm 107 and 136. Pastor Aaron already uh, gave a little preview uh, of some of what we're going to read. And here's how I want this to take place. I'm going to read the white, and you're going to read the orange-yellow color underneath it. Alright, in response to me, and, and a little coaching, you need to read really loud or this is awkward. And we're going to stand up and do this responsive reading, so please stand with me. If you want to use your note guide, this same responsive reading is also found in there. You would read the italicized uh, portion of, of, of your note guide. So here we go, I'm going to read the first part, you respond back loudly in, 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 to me. Give thanks to the Lord for he is good. Let the redeemed of the Lord tell their story. Those he gathered from the lands from east and west. Some wandered in desert wastelands. They were hungry and thirsty. Then they cried out to the Lord in their trouble. He led them by a straight way to a city where they could settle. Let them give thanks to the Lord for his unfailing love and his wonderful deeds for mankind. Give thanks to the Lord for his good. Give thanks to the God of gods. Give thanks to the Lord of lords. To him who alone does great wonders. Who by his understanding made the heavens who spread out the earth upon the waters, who made the great lights, the the sun to govern the day, the the moon and stars to govern the night, what endures forever? Very good, you can be seated. Last Sunday night, Vicky and I decided to go for a late walk. We like to do that frequently. So we headed out about 8, 8.30 that night. The moon was huge. Have you looked at it this last week? I guess it's as close as it'll be for a while. And, and it was just absolutely stunning. And I don't normally do that, but I started walking down this trail right towards the moon and I said to Vicki, what in the world is going on? This thing is huge. And we sat there and just marveled at, at the brightness of it. You know the moon is, is bright when you can see your shadow really well as you're walking. And then Vicki got out her iPhone, because we're iPhone people, you know, anyway. And she said, I have, a, I have a stargazing app on this. And so she would point it. Because I said, is that that a planet? Or what is that thing that's so bright over here? Sure enough, it's one of the planets. And Of course, the app tells you everything and, and what it means and all that kind of stuff. And we sat there and just marveled at the moon and the stars as we walked for a couple hours that night. And I thought of this psalm. God has put the moon and the stars in the night skies to govern them. Great is our Lord. Amen? His mercies are new every morning. And creation speaks of the glory of God. And we need to have this thankful, acknowledging heart of what God is up to and doing in our lives. So here's what I would like you to do for just a few moments. Let's have a personal reflection moment. What has God done in your life that you're thankful for? Just think on that if you want to. If you want to write something down, there's some spaces in your note guide to write it down. I'm going to give you like 30 seconds of silence just to take opportunity here and do this exercise. What has God done in your life that you are thankful for? I want to encourage you to make your way back frequently to God and thank him for what has been in your life. It'll change how you do life. It'll change your perspective on life. I want to turn our attention now to more corporate uh, kind of perspective. Um, For the last seven years that I've been here, some phenomenal things have been going on in our church, and they begin to go on way before I was a pastor here but for about the last seven years, we've averaged about 100 people a year uh, coming to Christ. Now, I realize that that some fall on, you know, thorny soil or sun-baked soil or rocky soil, and the life of God is choked out of them, but some fall on the good soil, amen? And they have stories that are very similar to mine where their lives have been totally changed. They've had a soul makeover, and there's new life in the kingdom, and praise be to God, for that happening here. Uh, When I begin to uh, pastor here, we were averaging about 900 a Sunday. That includes Oasis. Um, Right now, we're averaging about 1,700 a Sunday during the school year. We've about doubled. And and, you know, we thank God for the increase. In a corporate way, we ought to be thankful for what God is up to. Um, A couple of our Sundays have been over 2,000, and I just kind of marvel at what God is doing in our midst. It's almost prophetic that five years ago when we had that local church conference that the people present there voted to do the church expansion we're just getting to phase two right now yeah i i see how fortuitous that is how god's in this thing because who would have known we'd have this kind of increase amen and i oftentimes find myself just marveling and thankful for what god is doing in our midst he's just bringing an increase this place will look very different next christmas We'll have a different look to it, and praise God for that. But get this, get this. I'm just caught up with this thought lately. The best gift that our church can give to our local community and to the global community is for us to be thriving and alive here, and for Jesus Christ to be proclaimed in our midst. That is the best gift that we can give locally or globally. Thanks to the Lord of Lords, His love endures forever. But even as I thought about all this that I'm thankful for, also in my life, I don't know about you, but there are things that are hard, amen? Things that are painful, things that you think, I don't want to go through this, and maybe it's a physical thing, maybe it's a relational thing, maybe it's just a hard career or school moment for you. And then I was reminded of, of Habakkuk chapter 3, verses 17-18, through, uh, 17 through 18, which says this, though the fig tree does not bud and there are no grapes on the vines, though the olive crop fails and the Fields produce no food, though there are no sheep in the pen and no cattle in the stalls, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will be joyful in God my Savior. It is always right, it is always a good thing to be thankful to God, no matter what you're going through, because it changes how you look at life. It's also good to give thanks in a corporate level because it broadens your perspective of what to be thankful for. And if you're taking notes, this is point number two. It's a good thing to give thanks to God as his church. This bronze, the perspective of what God is up to. We have a video, another video to watch. And I'm thankful for this testimony. It's illustrative of what God is doing many times over in our midst. And as you watch it, rejoice in what God is up to in our midst.
1: I came into school being the stereotypical college student I made poor choices like any college student would, not proud of them, but they've shaped who I am. And then I was also in like a relationship that wasn't furthering me at all. We were like fighting all the time, it wasn't healthy, God wasn't a part of our relationship whatsoever. But again, at the time, I didn't know there was anything wrong with that. I just It was all I'd known for like two and a half years. Christmas time came around and my friend gave me a devotional for Christmas and I was like, okay. I tried to do it for a while, didn't stick with it. Went to church once in a while, didn't stick with that either. I just, it never was anything I made like a huge like point in my life to pursue, to further, because I just didn't know that it was anything that was super important. So two weeks before school got out, I decided I wanted to start actually doing my devotional and pursuing a relationship with God and going to church and just really making it a big part of my life. And one day... Uh, my devotional was super about like praying to God about any barriers to your relationship with Him. And I was like, okay, I'll pray about it. Nothing's probably going to happen, but I'll pray about it. So I prayed about it a ton, it was something that I like kept my eyes open to all week, nothing was really happening. But then that Sunday I went up to my boyfriend and I was like, we need to go to church, let's go to church. Can you please go to church with me? It's something I really want to do and I think that it would be healthy for both of us to go together. And he was like, no, I have no desire to go to church with you. Like, why would that? Why would you think I would want to do that? Blah, blah, blah. And it was like a slap in the face. So at that point I decided that like that relationship wasn't anything I needed to be in anymore. And so I was completely like blindly trusting God. But it turned out to be one of the best decisions of my life. Cause that night, Sunday night, one of my really close friends decided to take me to Oasis. And I was like, oh, okay, Oasis. Like I hear everybody talk about it. A bunch of my friends went, but we'll check her out. So I went, balled through the whole thing. It was like the most overwhelming, like faith-filled experience of my life. I felt God everywhere. I met God for the first time. I decided that pursuing Him was what I wanted to do. But of course, it's the Sunday before finals week, last Oasis for the whole entire year. So I'm all excited about it. I'm like, this is awesome. Like I'm on a spiritual high and then it ends. I was home pretty much alone. My family wasn't super faithful because growing up we didn't really go to church so that was just extremely difficult but it's one of those where you're like fighting through the mud all summer to like stay above it, follow God, pray about it, pursue it. And I did and it was awesome and my relationship grew like knowing that I could go home and be on my own and still have God in my life. Got back to school, was so anxious and excited to go to Oasis, so anxious and excited to be around my like faithful friends that I'd met at the end of the year. And so I went to the first Oasis, it was awesome. I got introduced to all of these new people. I had a whole new friend group that was like pushing my relationship with God, showed me how truly important it was. And I kept going to Oasis, I kept going to Oasis. I started going to Grace Point, super involved in that. Like, Just God was just the center of my life. He was my everything. He's everything that I prayed about, all of my friends prayed about. Like, I just couldn't imagine going back to the life I had before where God wasn't a part of it.
0: Haley's testimony is so common in our church. Thank God for what he's up to here. Amen? And how lives are being changed. Now I want to turn our attention to what could be for a few moments. We've looked at being thankful for what has been. Now we're going to look at, for a few moments, what could be. See, we're to be people who are constantly thanking God for what He's done in our life, and we're to be people who constantly anticipate what could be in God, in our lives, and in the lives of others. When you first come to God, it's a me moment, isn't it? You need to get your life right. You're a consumer. That's good, that's right. But quickly, God changes something, He changes you from a consumer to a contributor. And God wants you to become part of his redemption plan of bringing the good news and the life of Jesus to those around you. I figured this out bit by bit by bit as a young believer. And then I decided to pursue ministry and go to Bible school. And the day came when I was ordained. And that's when I had my second event that wasn't very similar to my first event when when I gave my life to Jesus Christ. I remember kneeling, and I remember being prayed over, and I fell apart. I just don't do that. I just fell apart. It it was the same exact thing all over again, and I just couldn't quit crying. And and this time, it was a little different uh, brokenness. I began to realize that God had a plan for me, to bring glory to his name by pouring my life out for his cause. I realized he was calling me to be a contributor, to be one who would do my part in his kingdom unfolding in the lives of other people. He was instilling in me at that moment a philosophy of what could be, amen? And I have really grabbed a hold of that ever since. I constantly say to people, what could be in Jesus? Just give your life to him, give him a shot, and experience the what could be God that I serve. That became a compelling part of my life and my approach to ministry. What could be in God? And I want to ask you today this question. Will you join me in that? Will you be people of what could be Will you become a contributor, not just a consumer? Will you're part of God's redemption plan? You see, we're supposed to be born again in Jesus Christ. That's right, that's good, that's a blessing. Then we're supposed to grow in grace. We're supposed to get to this deep understanding of walking with Jesus hand in hand. But then something is supposed to happen. We're supposed to look outward. And what God is up to in this world become part of his redemption, redemptive plan. We're supposed to give grace to other, other people. This day, I call all of us, join me in thinking this way. It changes how you do your Christianity. We're to be what could be people, amen? We're to be people who anticipate what God is up to. We're to be people who, who are to see what God could do. The ancient Israelites were called into this very thing um, in... in, in um, in Exodus 35, I'm going to read that in just a moment. But, but, but here's what was going on basically that day. That they, they were uh, called to be part of building God's temple. And basically Moses said, all of you who are willing, do your part. It wasn't forced. It was an ask by Moses, of course, with God behind the whole thing, to the people of Israel to be involved in what God is up to. And we are asked the same question today as what could be people we're asked to do our part. We're asked, are you willing to be part? And that's the question I want to pose to you right now. Are you willing to be part of what could be in God? Let's read about what happened in Exodus 35. I'm going to read verses uh, 4 through uh, 10 and then jump down to verse 29. Moses said to the whole Israelite community, this is what the Lord has commanded. From what you have, take an offering for the Lord. Everyone who is willing is to bring to the Lord an offering of gold, silver, and bronze, blue, purple, and scarlet yarn, and fine linen, goat hair, ramskins dyed red, and another type of durable leather, acacia wood, olive oil for the light, Spices for the anointing oil and for the fragrant incense, and onyx stones and other gems to be mounted on the ephod and breastpiece. All who are skilled among you are to come and make everything the Lord has commanded. All the Israelite men and women who are were willing brought to the Lord free will offerings for all the work the Lord through Moses had commanded them to do. So, what basically they were being asked to do was to bring their treasures, their time, and their talents. And make them available to what God was up to. You see, God was building a temple for the people of Israel. And at that temple, God would meet with his people Israel and minister to his people Israel. And he was saying, if you want to be part of this, then bring to me your treasures, your time, and your talent. As we do church here in Brookings, God's asking us the same question. Will you bring to me your treasures, your time, and your talent? Will you be part of what I'm up to here of course this applies directly to like a phase 2 building we're doing right now god is asking all of us to be part to to grapple with the question what should i give what should i be involved with and how can i make this thing successful because god is up to something here but it's much more than that it's much more than that although i want to give a plug for phase 2 this morning amen be a part of what god is up to there but get this what you invest in captures your heart. That's why so many people feel disconnected from church and from the things of God. They simply are not investing in it, they're not giving God their treasures, their time, and their talents. And that's often what causes the disconnection. I own a 1998 Camry, it's a beast of a car. I mean, it's a good looker, right? No. It's a classic sedan. The paint's faded on it. I just recently rebuilt the engine. The engine runs great. Everything's basically new that needs to be new on it. I know it's super dependable. I just drove it to Lincoln, Nebraska and back. I have new tires on it. Everything's kind of new. Listen, when I sit in the interior, I pretend it's a new car, I got a new radio, I got a new steering wheel cover, and a new glass in the front windshield, all right? New glass in the front windshield. So I look, I look out and say, nice car. Everybody else looks at it and says, ugly car. But from my view, it's a car, it's a car I love. Why? Because I've invested my treasures and my time and what little talent I do have in car redoing into that car. And so it has a special place in my life. To you, you look at it and say, piece of junk. To me, I say, It's a really good car. Why? I'm vested in it. What you invest in captures your heart. I know that's a silly example, but you get what I'm saying, right? What you invest in captures your heart. And we need to be vested in what God is up to here. We need to be willing to do our part to give of our treasures and time and talents to what God is up to. We should become crazy convinced and what could be here? We need to become convinced that it's a worthwhile thing to pour our lives out for the cause of Jesus Christ. It needs to capture our hearts, and the way it'll capture our hearts is by investing in it. You see a neighbor hurting, you ought to be the first one to think what could be in her life if she gives it to Jesus Christ, right? Because that's our perspective, and we're invested in that thing. When we look at our land and our nation and we look at what's going on in our government, instead of wringing our hands and being worried, we should think, what could be if God can capture the heart of some of our key leaders? And we had to pray accordingly, right? Because we're people of what could be. We're invested in the kingdom. We're giving of our time and our treasure and our talents to God. He's got our heart. He's captured our heart. We're what could be people. And then the results become glorious. If God captures our hearts, the results become glorious. Listen to what happens now to the tabernacle once it's built. I'm going to read to you Exodus chapter 40 verses 34 through 37. Then the cloud covered the tent of meeting and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. Moses could not enter the tent of meeting because the cloud had settled on it and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. In all the travels of the Israelites, Whenever the cloud lifted from above, above the tabernacle, they would set out. But if the cloud did not lift, they did not set out until, it lift, until the day it lifted. So the people were willing to get on board. They're willing to be part. And then we're told what happened. God showed up. God did something marvelous. I hear people all the time say, I long for God to be real, to do things in our day that he's done in former times. I want to see the glory of God. You know what? We need to do if we really want to see that. One, be thankful for what he's done. Begin to give thanks to him for what has been in your life frequently. And secondly, become people who anticipate what could be in God. What could be in God? What could be in God? We do those two things, and I'm convinced, like the Israelites experience the glory of the Lord, we too will experience the glory of the Lord in our gatherings. And we should get to this result then. The glory of the Lord will fill the gatherings of those thankful for what God has done and captured by what could be. And captured by what could be. Life's good, isn't it? Life's good. We serve a God who's so mighty and so sufficient. Thankfulness should just flow from our lips. There should be ready praise on our mouth. It should be hard to contain it because our God is so good. And then because our God is so good and our God is so sufficient, we should be anticipating, what's he going to do next? What's he going to do now? We serve a God of what could be. If we get to that true mental and heart attitude, guess what? We are not going to be able to contain the glory of God here, amen? His presence is just going to pour out on on us as his people. Let's pray, and then we're going to end with a song today. Would you bow your heads, please? Lord God, I want to thank you for who you are this day. Your love does endure forever. Your mercies really are new every morning. You're the God who is totally 100% sufficient. You take that which is dead and you make it alive again. You give us life and life evermore. You create something new from something that was so broken and so far gone. God, we're grateful this morning to you. We're grateful to the God who rebuilds, who restores and brings life. We love you with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength. We declare today that we're yours, God, and we're making our way back this morning for a few moments, or that one in 10 that's returning back to you and saying, thank you, thank you. Praise be to your name, glory be to your name. Then God, I pray that we would be captured by the thought of what could be, that we'd be anticipating what could be. When we see the hurting one, we say, this could be in Jesus when we see something going awry in our own lives, the first thing we think of is what could be in God if I just stand fast in God and trust in Him? God, by your grace in us, we declare today we're what could be people because we follow a God of immeasurably more. A God who does things we can't even imagine, we can't even visualize, we can't even articulate. We serve that kind of a God. And so were what could be people today, God. Instill these two things in us. God, make it just fertile so that your presence and your power is just poured out on us as your people. Glory be to your name this day, Jesus. Be glorified in our midst. And during this Thanksgiving season, as in the case of all seasons, we purpose to not lose you in the busyness of it, but to make you the center of it. We love you, Jesus. We praise your glorious name. Amen.